today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear the truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Jesus was asleep at that time. And I love the way that Mark puts it. Jesus was in the stern of the ship. That's down below in the front of the thing. He was in the stern of the ship on a pillow. Jesus had gotten all snugly. I mean, he's fine. He's resting. He's totally gone at this point in time, I believe. Why? Because I'm sure that he needed that rest. And there was no worries, no concern in his life. He knew that the Father was in control of all things. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, we learn that one day as the disciples crossed the Sea of Galilee, a great storm arose to threaten their lives. Christ was asleep in the stern while the waves raged. Pastor David teaches us in today's message that the Lord God allows the tempest to roar sometimes. It is in these seasons of trial and testing that the Lord proves who He is. This is also when we become more like Jesus. It is only through the fire of pain and suffering that we are refined and made into something as precious as pure gold. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Trusting in the Tempest. Hey, why don't you take your Bibles, if you would, turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. This is where we're at today as we've been going through the Word. It's interesting, I've titled today's message, Testing in the Tempest. Testing in the Tempest. God will test our lives. He will bring us to the point where we realize there is absolutely nothing that we can do, but it's only what He can do in our lives. And if you've never been to that place yet in your lives, hold on, because God will bring you there. Because God wants you to know that it's He that is in control of your life. He wants you to know that He is the one not only can hold you, but He can preserve you and He can keep you. And if He takes you, even if the peril comes to the point of taking you, the fact and the truth is, is He is there with you through every bit of it. Warren Wiersbe spoke about this passage here in Luke, and he said this, It's one thing to learn a new spiritual truth but quite something else to practice that truth in everyday experiences of life. Did you get that? It's one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to practice those truths in our everyday experiences of life. He says that Satan does not care how much Bible truth we learn so long as we do not live it. Truth that's only in the head is purely academic and never will get into the heart until it is practiced by the will. 
What he is trying to tell us is that you can go to church all you want. You can attend every Bible study you want. You can read your Bible. You can go to prayer meetings. You can do all of these things. And it doesn't bother Satan one bit as long as you don't act upon what you learn. And the unfortunate reality is, is I believe that churches are filled every weekend with a multitude of people who hear great Bible teaching, who again enter into great worship, and when they walk out the doors, it does not impact, it does not change their life one iota, and Satan is excited about that because people are walking around saying, oh, I know the truth but they're not living the truth. And it does absolutely nothing for them. It does nothing for the work and the cause of Christ. You and I as believers, if we truly desire to grow in Christ, you need to understand there's going to be times in our life where we're going to be put to the press. There's going to be times of trial. There's going to be struggles. We understand that. We know that. And as a matter of fact, James told us about that. Before we get to Luke, let me share something with you that's probably very familiar to many of you. In James chapter 1, verse 2, James says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy when I fall into trials. Are you kidding me? Really? When my health is down, when my finances are down, when my relationships are down, when there's attacks of the enemy, count it all joy. You think that's bad, the way that we read it in the New King James. There's a version I I don't use a whole lot, but it's always interesting to kind of read it and see what they're saying in it. It's called The Message Bible by Eugene Peterson. Listen how he writes it. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. When tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Well, today we're going to look real quickly at at an event in the life of Jesus and the disciples as they're going across the Sea of Galilee. There in chapter 8 of of, uh, Luke, we also find the same event in in Matthew and in Mark. They All three of these gospel writers speak about it. Well, in Luke chapter 8, verse 22, we begin reading. In Luke 8, 22, it says, Now it happened on a certain day that he, speaking of Jesus, He got into the boat with his disciples, and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. If you underline your Bible, underline that little phrase. Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Now, if if your Bible costs you too much money and you don't want to underline it, lean over to the person next to you and underline theirs. Okay? Let us cross over to the other side, because that's a powerful point of this story. And they launched out, but as soon as they sailed, he, Jesus, fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. You need to understand, Jesus gave them a pretty direct command. He said, hey, let's cross over to the other side. Let's go over to the other side of this lake. We, we really don't know what the weather report was that day. The disciples, uh, they, they didn't have enough money to get a smartphone, so they couldn't check the weather app to find out what it was. But these were experienced men. 
They had lived either on the lake or around the lake nearly all of their lives. They weren't ignorant of the things about the lake. But let me tell you something about the Sea of Galilee. There's a valley that runs all the way from the Mediterranean Ocean, just right at Hoffa, that goes along from west to east right to the Sea of Galilee. It's an interesting thing. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains all the way around. But there is this one valley that goes all the way to the Mediterranean Ocean. And when there's a storm on the Mediterranean Ocean that you might not even be able to see while you're on the Sea of Galilee, suddenly within moments, the the, the winds can rush through that valley and suddenly the, the, the sea there is in absolute turmoil. And I believe that's what's taking place here at this point in time. Matthew tells us in his version of this story, He says that suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. This was no small storm. It was a major situation. Just as Luke says, they were filling with water. They were in jeopardy. But Luke, along with Matthew and Mark, tells us this other very interesting thing. All three of them say, but Jesus was asleep at that time. Jesus was asleep at that time. And I love the way that Mark puts it. Jesus was in the stern of the ship. That's down below in the front of the thing. He was in the stern of the ship on a pillow. Jesus had gotten all snugly. I mean, he's fine. He's resting. He's totally gone at this point in time, I believe. Why? Because I'm sure that he needed that rest. And there was no worries, no concern in his life. He knew that the Father was in control of all things. One of the things that the disciples had forgotten, though, was the directions that Jesus had given them even before they launched out. He said what? Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Jesus had plans on being with his disciples on the other side of the lake. He knew where the end of the journey would take them. It was going to take them on the other side of the lake. No matter what happened on the lake itself, we are going to the other side of the lake. The disciples, they saw the now, and they thought it was the end. Jesus saw the end. And so he didn't worry about the now. And beloved, that's where we need to be in our lives. To understand the end of all things is our God is in control of our lives and over all of his creation. There's many times in our lives where the current now that we're experiencing, man, it feels like the end. It's not eternity, but it feels like eternity. It feels like we will never get out of this. But church, we need to understand that Jesus has written the end already, and he is here in the now with us. The word says he'll never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is here with us even in the now. And regardless of whatever you're going through in your life today or last week or tomorrow, Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am there with you. Well, gee, pastor, what does that do right now? Because what I'm going through, it hurts. It's painful. It's fearful. It's frightening. Cast all your cares upon him. Why? Because we know that he cares about us. It may not change what's going on, but beloved, it ought to change the impact of what's going on in your life. For now, though, for now, the disciples feel like they're going to die, or worse. Verse 24 says, They came to Jesus and they woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. I like how Mark puts it in this 
portion. Mark says that they declared, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Think about that for a moment. God, don't you care about me? Beloved, He cared so much. He cared so much. He sent Christ for you. Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus woke up. He arose. He rebuked the wind and the raging water. And they ceased. And there was a calm. And again, I like how Matthew puts it. There was a great calm. He says there was a great tempest. A mega seismos. A great tempest. But then he also comes back and he says, oh, but now there is a great calm. There's a great calm. There's a couple of things that we ought to, again, take point of. I see within these things, first of all, I think we need to know that it's okay for us to tell the Lord just exactly how we're feeling. Are you in fear? Tell the Lord, I'm I'm fearful right now. If you're struggling, be honest with the Lord. I'm struggling. You think you're going to kid him? You think you're going to cover it up? No, no. If you're in fear, tell the Lord. Listen to what King David spoke. We we see time and time in the book of Psalms. Psalm 30 declares, O Lord, my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. O Lord, you brought my soul up from the grave. You've kept me alive that I should not go down to the pit. What profit is there in my blood when I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it declare your truth? Hear, O Lord, and have mercy on me. Be my helper. When it's times of trials, when it's times of affliction, when it's times of distress in every one of our lives, and beloved, we will go through it. Some of you I know greater than others. Some impact of of, of life and and the effects of life on some just seems to be so overwhelming. But we are called by the Word of God and by the Spirit of God to cry out to God in your distress, knowing that He is an ever-present help in times of trouble. David told us also in Psalm 34, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. You see, that's not, a, that's, not a, that's not a fake thing. No, I cried out. I was in fear. I cried out. And the Lord delivered me from those fears. So first of all, be honest with the Lord where you're at. But secondly, the thing that you need to understand, the thing that we need to realize whenever problems come in, that in the midst of our problems, we need to continually remember the greatness and the consistency of God's love and His compassion toward us. God's love and His compassion toward us does not change. Does not change. He loves us with a perfect love. An everlasting love. He is long-suffering and merciful to the very end. That's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of God who created all the heavens and all the earth. He is loving and He is compassionate. So in the midst of our problems, in the midst of our struggles, we need to understand, and it will strengthen us in this, if we understand and we hold firm to the reality and the truth, His love and His compassion never fails never fails. Don't doubt His love. Don't doubt His concern for you, even in the midst of your own struggles, even in the midst of your own personal failures. If you sinned this week, God doesn't love you anymore. But He doesn't love you any less either. Because His love is perfect. 
His love is perfect. Now, he may bring discipline to you, but then it's a loving father that disciplines his children. Amen? Amen. Amen. Even in the midst of our failures, even in the midst of our stumblings, we need to remember the compassion and the love of God. Again, I go back to King David. King David, oh, man, that we could go down and we could look at how he failed in some major, major ways. But in Psalm 103, he declares, The Lord hasn't dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. There ought to be a lot of amens on that. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far is he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone, and its place is remembered no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. Beloved, even in the failures of our lives, even when the troubles that we're going through are troubles that we put ourselves in, Remember the love and the compassion of Christ for us. And then thirdly, remember the power and the might of Almighty God. The power and the might of Almighty God. One of the problems with many Christians, I believe, is they worship a much too small of a God. Rather than the greatness and the might and the majesty of Almighty God, who created all that we know with just the word of his mouth. If he's that mighty and he's that powerful, he has might, he has power, he has authority over every situation that you and I find ourselves. And church, we need to remember that because there's many times we figure we've gotten ourselves into a spot that what? God can't get you out? Are you kidding me? Your God is way too small, way too small. Because regardless of what it is, God can heal, God can deliver, God can bring the death back to life. He can do a work and do a might within us that we, again, we can't even begin to imagine. We need to remember, we need to keep fresh in our hearts and our minds those things, the greatness of his love and his compassion, the greatness of his power and authority over all of his creation. Share with him your fears, share with him your struggles. But also understand that love and compassion that he has for you, individually, you. He created you. He created you with a purpose. He created you as an individual, and the greatness of his love is for you. And also remember that power and authority over all things. The disciples woke Jesus up from a well-deserved nap, and by the power of his word, it says, he rebuked the wind and the raging water, and they ceased, and they were calm. This is what Jesus wants to bring into our lives. He wants to bring into our lives not a partial, not a temporary calm. He wants to bring into our lives, as Matthew said, a major calm. That, 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 from a mega seismos to a mega galene, a, a major massive calm. 
a calm that, again, affects every area of our lives. It works inside our lives, even though the storms might rage on the outside. The kind of calm that only comes into our lives when we fully submit to His will and His way in our lives, when we fully trust Him for all of the outcomes in our lives. That's when that peace comes. If you're still trying to struggle here, if you're still trying to make it work here, if you're trying to steady the boat yourself in your own strength, you need to release the boat. You need to release it into his hands, and only then does the calm come. Think about the fact of the, the other event in the life of the disciples and Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. Another storm. Jesus had sent the boys across. He says, I'll meet you on the other side. And the guys had gone. Another storm came up, and Jesus came walking out upon the water. They thought he was a ghost, and I'm not talking the Holy Ghost. They thought he was a ghost. And they were fearful. They were afraid. And so they began to cry out about it. And then they said, I think it's the Lord. Jesus said, hey, guys, don't worry, it is me. And Peter says, Lord, if it really is you, then bid me to come out to you. And Jesus says, come on out, the water is fine. And Peter got out of the boat, and he began to walk on water. You know what? The storms didn't cease at that time. It wasn't that Peter got out of the boat and stepped into the water and everything got calm. No, the storms continued. But Peter had his eyes on the Lord Jesus. And he was able to walk in the midst of the storms, in the midst of the destruction, in the midst of the peril, the things that would have taken his life. He was able to walk in until what, church? Got his eyes off of Jesus. He got his eyes off of Jesus, and then he was overwhelmed by those things. It may be God's call in your life to bring you through that storm. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. It's going to be scary at times. But keep your eyes on the Lord. For some, he brings us over the storms. Man, we don't, we don't know how, but man, I'm floating over this thing and, and everybody else, else's life that's connected with this is in absolute chaos, but mine is fine. Sometimes he brings us over the storm. Sometimes he stops the storm even before we enter it. Why are there storms in our life? Let me give you three things real quick as we close. Number one reason that storms come into our life is because we choose to walk into a storm. We make decisions in our life that are against the will and the direction, the purpose of God. We choose our own way rather than his way. God says go left, we go right, and we go right into a storm in our life. And the effects of our own sin, the consequences of our own sin, becomes a major storm in our life. But you know what? God is still there even in the midst of that. Second reason storms come into our life, sometimes the enemy wants to stumble you up. He wants to distract you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to take away the witness of your testimony life. And so he's going to bring storms into your life to cause you to forsake God and try and do things on your own. The enemy will throw things in your pathway that you, man, you were not expecting that. You thought it was a beautiful day to go sailing, and all of a sudden, bam, a storm hits, and you are so beyond yourself. The enemy is bringing something in for your destruction. But you know what? Even in that, God is right there in the midst with you. The third reason that storms come into our life is, yes, sometimes God leads you right into the mouth of the storm, right into the very center of that storm. And I'm not talking the quietness of a hurricane's eye. No, I'm talking right into the very depths of a storm that is going to rip you and tear you apart. Why? In order that your strength, your, the faith that you have might be strengthened. In order that you would get your eyes off of your ability and come fully dependent 
upon him. Fully and wholly dependent upon him. Do you really think that Jesus didn't know that there was a storm coming on the lake that day? Do you really think that he was ignorant of that and so he went down and got on a pillow and went to sleep? No. I believe that he knew exactly what was going on. And he says, I'm not going to be up there. I want to see how they handle it on their own. We can all remember the marketing campaign, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? While this became somewhat cliché, the concept behind it is crucial. In each and every circumstance, we need to consider not only what Jesus would do, but what He did do when He was here on earth. As Pastor David teaches through the Gospel of Luke, we'll see exactly what Jesus did. We're sure today's message has been a blessing to you. Maybe you'd like to get a copy of today's message. Here's Tracy with all the information you need. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor David, go to TheOpenWord.com and click on the Teachings page. Thanks, Tracy. Again, to secure your own copy of today's message, simply log on to TheOpenWord.com and select the Teachings page. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through the Word of God. So please make plans to join us again, and may God richly bless you. Make us more.